Welcome everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, that's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. You're all listening to us live on jrootradio.com. We also have, we're on the lakewoodscoop.com, on yeshivaworld.com. You can also listen to us on the JRoot Radio phone line at 712-432-4217. We also have now, well, we also have now a special affiliate joining us, which is FNW in Lakewood, where you can hear us live on the Lakewood station. So on their phone line. So thank you all for joining us. And now we're here to sort of, the program is about taking your questions, comments, anything about the mental health field. We've got three callers already waiting. And I would also like to tell you that you can send us messages through the Lakewood Scoop, Yeshiva World, or you can text us to the JRoot Radio station. And that text number is 347-927-8398. Uh, 347-927-8398. And of course, we give a priority to the callers, those that call in. All right, Aaron, let's go to our first caller. Who do we have on? The, um, also, for those of you that would like to call in the number to ask your question or comment about anything in the mental health field, we just want to make sure that it's appropriate for all ages, is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Okay, we're going to Goldie on line one. Goldie, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hello. I'm just calling with feedback. Um, I called last week, if you remember. Yes, I do. I do. And you, I remember you were also calling all the way from England, besides for the accent. Yes. But, uh, all right. So I remember the question about the school, but let's share it to all our listeners, those that, haven't, that don't remember your question that weren't listening then. Yeah, so basically I went to, um, I was working in a school. I am working in a school, and... Um, my just my class just a few classes just moved over to a different building and uh we got a we ha- i have a new secretary that i'm working with that i found really uh difficult she was very literal and very um and i'm more feeling type of person and it and she was also bossing me around a bit and besides that i found the new beginning uh was quite hard for me yes. and um you gave me some advice you told me to go up to her and to speak to her that was the the best advice that I got that I really, I just wanted to say how much, I couldn't believe how easy it was and how it really, just speaking, it really changed the whole, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, so uh, yes. could you clarify, we're all curious. You went over to her and how did it go? You told her, you know, yeah, I'm really so upset, I, just, um, I feel hurt. When it was a quiet moment, I went over to her and I said I wanted to speak to her in a very nice way and I explained to her there's nothing, nothing wrong with you and nothing wrong with me, but it's just, um, I just feel that, Thursday, when you tell me when to go into class and, when, and, and what to do all the time, just uh, don't, you don't have to walk on eggshells with me, but just be careful the way you just uh, let's just understand each other. I don't like when you tell me exactly what to do. I'm going to do it anyway. Just give me the chance. And she listened to me and she said, and she just as she explained her view, what she felt like that. Um, she said that I want to make sure that you go into class and that uh, you do all you have to do. So I just explained to her again, and she really understood me. And it's just interesting that she really changed the whole way of dealing with, with everyone, with me and even with other people. She just became so much more enjoyable to talk to and easygoing. I still easygoing. would like you to recognize, just, identify what has changed. How has she changed? Did she hear that's not her responsibility? Did she hear that you're working with her? Did she hear that you might feel resentment? What was the feeling? 
Um, I think that um, she realized that. Not sure exactly. Um, I think once I, I just explained to her how I feel, she just um, somehow understood it, and and she realized that it's not. It's uh, it's going to be more comfortable. I'm sure she felt all this um, awkward awkwardness with me that the way I was feeling towards her. I don't know exactly what. Good. I want to. I want to take it on a different spin, just because people are listening, and we can, and the main goal of this yes. program is for education. Do you feel what might have also changed is you that you're feeling different because you verbalize that you're not keeping it in? Ah, uh, that's also yes. I, I forgot about that. That's okay. also what I felt like. I felt like I. The minute I told her that, I just felt relaxed. Even before she changed, before she did anything, that same day, everything else, all the hardships I found otherwise, just everything toned down. That's amazing. Thank you. That's what I wanted to illustrate. Yes. And that is about emotions. People that are emotional people, and I'm one of them, we have a lot of, a lot of emotions built up within ourselves. And when we have a lot of those emotions that's being built up, we start seeing everything based on those lenses. So if we have, let's say, mm -hmm. a red lens on our glasses, you're going to see everything red. Once we can express it, work something out, we're clear, then automatically our lenses get much easier. Or it changes now to clear, and we see clear, or we see whatever color we'd like to see. And yes. thank you for the feedback. It is a huge positive for you to be able to do that. And I would like to give you a compliment for you to recognize I find it tremendous, and this generation, people are so afraid of confronting, and I don't even call it confronting, I call it just discussing feelings that we have and we've created in our mind why the person will be hurt, the person will attack us, the person isn't ready, the person is so bad. And in reality, just verbalizing and discussing it, the person can be, most of the time, they'll be thankful, appreciative, and grateful. But I'll be honest with you, with the people that I work with and that we recommend, so many of us are just afraid to do the simple steps. And the fact that you can do that on just one couple of minute phone call is amazing just to attest to your healthiness that getting information and being able to integrate it and then act on that is a huge level. So your students... Yes, I wanted to everyone to realize how easy it is. Yes. I thought it was so hard, but once I did it, I thought it was really not so hard. Fantastic. I appreciate that. And I'd like Thank all our listeners to realize that when we just do it, it just works out, Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you for your device. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Before we go to the next caller, I forgot. We're starting over here. This week's program is Bachasham sponsored by, by, by Dynabit PC. Call Dynabit PC at 347 946 1826 for all your home and business needs, including but not limited to house hardware and, and software installation and repairs, web hosting, remote support, Microsoft Windows and server management, installing, maintaining network security, network maintenance, VoIP system maintenance. Dynabit manages your technology so you can manage your business. Call now at 347-946-1826. Thank you, Dynabit. All right. We are going to go to line two to Surrey. You're on the air with Mordechai, and again, we would like to thank everyone, those of you that are listening in now, tuning in now, you're on the other air with Mordechai Weinberger at the jrootradio.com studio. We have hookups with the Lakewood Scoop, Yeshiva World, we've got our my phone line, the Jroot Radio, and now we have a special affiliate joining us, FNW, so thank you all for being on that place, and if you've got any questions or comments that you'd like to call about the mental health field, remember we always want to keep it 100% appropriate for all ages. The number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We're going to Surrey on line two. We have two Surreys on hold, so 
one of you the one of you that will be speaking will know which one is on. So, Suri, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, is it me? Yes, I guess now you know it's you. Yes. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, first, I want—I didn't plan to ask this, but I am literally trembling. I was thinking, why am I trembling? I'm just asking a question, and I know nobody's looking at me. And I, I think it's a real mental question: <laughs> Why am I so anxious? So first, let's validate your feeling. Can I make the assumptions? Is the first time you're speaking on air? No. Oh, you've spoken many times before. Um, not many. But I think once or twice. Okay. And um, have you ever listened to our programs or to recordings of our programs? Yeah. So do you know that a lot I of people I, are I fall listening? Them. What? I fall asleep with them. I listen to them all the time. Okay. So you realize a lot of people are listening. So. Many women don't have the experience that a lot of Bachram have, and that is when they've got, when you become Bar Mitzvah, you want to daven for the Ahmed, and there's a huge stage fright. And sometimes it could even be just 10 people listening or just getting an aliyah. So many people have no idea the fears that a Bachar can have when they're in shul. I hope I don't get an aliyah. I might make the mistake with the bracha. It might be too low. I might mix up confused words. So let me just validate your feeling. Calling in here is scary for some people. And I just to validate the feeling to the next level, when I came back onto the radio, it was, you know, onto this, it was, I was nervous a little, but after five minutes and you're relaxed. And then the first time we went live on the video, it was also, I was doing this for months, and then there's just a little camera in the room, that's the only thing that changes, but I was nervous for the first couple of minutes again. So, part of my talking is to just calm you down a little, let time pass, and now, do you feel any easier? Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you so much. So we've given a little psychoeducation, um, a little information, and also got you to calm down. By the time Eretz Hashem, you've done the question, you're going to feel, hey, I could do this next week again. All right. So let's okay. go, Suri. What is your question um, or comment? Okay. The other, I was so I was so anxious also because I know the person who's listening. She knew that I'm going to ask this question. Ooh, um, this is <laughs> okay. Um, she was she was afraid to ask it, so I I I told her I can go instead of her. Um, she the, the thing was like this: the friend confided in me that she has bad thoughts, and okay, just she, remember, she came we to want to keep things appropriate for all ages. I'm just saying that just yeah. to keep it clear. Good. Um, not saying any what it is, but I guess you can figure it out yourself. Yeah, that she could had, be certain. She now, could be other stuff I, we don't even want to go there right now. Yes. She said she thinks she's suffering from OCD, and she's looking for someone from, for CBT, and which, if I can guide her, which therapist to go to. Um, she listens to your phone lines, that's for sure. Um, and I would like to know where you can guide me to tell her what, to, what kind of therapist she needs. All right, so here's almost like a little pop quiz, I guess, to make you nervous, which I usually don't do. But if you, for those of you that listen and you usually know, what's my response when someone would ask me, like, what they should do and what type of therapy? I should say, really, where they should go to. I usually refer to an organization that does referrals. Oh, I know. The Relief, she doesn't live there, so. You got it. Um, relief, she doesn't live around Relief. The Relief has got, like, four locations no. worldwide. They even have an entire section for, like, the Hasidic community. They have an entire section for eating disorders. Um, there's Rabbi Babad there, I know very well, Rabbi Kessner there, there's, there's so many wonderful people there, there's for, there are so many different divisions opening up over there, 
and they they even have different departments. They have in, in Canada, I think his name is Rabbi, Rabbi Rappaport. I spoke to him once or twice. They have a relief there. They have a relief, um, and they have several occasions. So. Just call the main office and they'll refer it on. And also for those of you that live in the U.S., there's ECHO, which really they do with mostly medical referrals for medical conditions. But I know they also have a department where they send for mental health. So I just want you to know there are two organizations that I always refer to because those are the two out there right now for mental health. Relief she doesn't live in the U.S. She doesn't. Okay, so then call up Relief because I know they have out of the United States. They have different departments, different places. Um, and that's what we deal with it. There's how do some... I deal with her when she comes to my house? I mean, she talks to me, and I don't know how to handle it, really. Okay, so now we're shifting away from her and taking it to you, correct? Yeah. All right. So just before we shift away from her, I'd like you to know that there are some very good therapists that also do therapy via Skype through the Internet or through the phone, which is it's usually not the first bet that I choose. But it's an option also to be aware of, and sometimes to get a real top therapist. If it's a hard case, um, I always recommend do it over the Internet, do it over the phone, rather than not go to any help at all. So don't worry about, like, just take whatever you get. Start the process. And I always find that the Rabbi Nishlam has his way of doing things, that once you just start, you also discover this, and you discover something else, and, and things fall into place. So with your friend, there is no excuse not to take therapy. Most therapists will do sessions over the phone. I don't know if legally that we're able to call it therapy or awareness or whatever it is, but you can still get the information and the starting process done over the phone or via the Internet. So there's no excuse not to get help. Find out who's good out there. Find out who they want. Do the referral and maybe tell Relief or Echo the same thing. This is a person that they, they're not around any from therapists or they don't have contacts. Is anyone that does phones, consultations, or through the Internet. But staying stuck with a problem is never the solution. It's just a solution to keep it going and to make sure that Merit Hashem, the next generation or others, should suffer with that person as well. Now no, she's let's not take the stuck question. with it. She just came yesterday to me. Excellent. Now let's take the question to you. What is your issue when she tells you she's got a tough time with it? Because I'm a very uh, weird person. I can see um, her... So the way she talks to me, and I saw more than that, and I feel she needs heavy help, and I didn't have the courage to tell her in terms of And I cannot handle it. She was talking to me all kinds of her issues, and I, I couldn't... Yeah, so part, of know, what, so part of what you're I, saying is that setting boundaries, setting healthy boundaries, saying this I want to do, this I don't want to do, this is easy for me, this is hard for me, this I can do now, this I cannot do now for various reasons, is difficult for you, Correct. Um, really not, but at this point I couldn't, I don't know why. Okay, let me ask you, do you find this, and I'm a big believer in the theory, and it's uh, several therapists, they go through that, and we also have the Makar, of course, in Yiddishkeit, but whatever is going on that we have with others are really going on within ourselves. So let's take the question to you. Do you find in yourself that you have a hard time telling certain people no, or you have a hard time when people start, when you start doing something to just stop in the middle because now time has ended? Do you find bad, do you find the word no as a wrong word, a bad word, a guilty word? Sometimes, not all the time, but half the time. Sometimes. Yeah. And that is exactly where we thank the Rabbi Nishleilam because the Rabbi Nishleilam gives us the tests over and over and over, and he gives us as much time as we need to master the lesson. 
And part of what's needed in this case is to master the lesson with your friend saying, you know, your case is getting too hard for me. We can talk about friendship stuff, friendship stuff, your friends, your kids, where you want to go, what you made for supper, something about work, a share that you what heard. She, mm -hmm. Why did she confront me afterward that she heard that I asked it from you? Why I couldn't calculate into space? Um, well, there, here's where, again, you'll take responsibility, if you're ready for that, to say, this was my weakness. I've learned to think for other people, and I made the assumption it will hurt you if I tell it to you. I made the assumption you're too weak to handle it if I set the boundary. I made the assumption that I'm a bad person if I tell it to you. For my sake, their bunch of going to be angry at me. It might be when you can take responsibility for your weaknesses and say, this is now my growth. The suggestion that Mordechai suggested was that I start doing my inner growth to learn how to say yes and to learn how to say no. Let's remember every second in the world, somewhere it's turning morning. So the Rabbi Shalom, like we equate morning to yes. And that very same second, somewhere in the world, it's turning dark. And the Rabbi Shalom is saying no to someone. There is a balance of yes and no. Every few seconds, someone is being born. And every few seconds, the Rabbi Shalom is taking someone away. In our view, it's yes and no. We know in the Rabbi Shalom's view, both are yeses. But we need to learn to master a yes and to master a no. If we cannot have boundaries, if we can't have gvul, which is this world, we get stuck. We get stuck in guilt. We get stuck in anger. We're finally doing chesed and we're sometimes feeling stressed and anxious about that. So saying no is the basic concepts of Yiddishkeit. And to master, and the harder it is for us to say no, the harder we find relationships. That's why I was asking you if it's other than this area, other than this girl or this friend, and the need is for your inner growth. Make sense? Yeah, but uh, it's, it's hard to say for a person in his face. Like, I see more than that you need, like, uh, I would like us to change because you just... hard to say that. Okay, you've just made a blanket fact in the world. It is hard to say that. I'd like you to realize that's where your inner growth comes in. And in therapy, when we go to school, to college, one of the lessons we need to master is this lesson of how to recognize your strengths, your weaknesses, when you're, how to uh, connect to a client and how to disconnect. That's part of the process, which remember now, here's why I'm shifting it to you. Being that you have a difficulty, we make now everything facts. It is so hard to do it. Who said it is, might be a little harder, but that's your work. Now, because it's your difficulty, let's now take it a little further where I don't want to, like, scare you, but those people which it has a little bit of the words codependence, where we no, need... No, but I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. If I tell her she needs a psychiatrist, she's going to be... I, I don't want to... Um, exactly what I mentioned uh, before. Notice all the thoughts that are going on in your mind why you can't say no. It's going to hurt her. She needs a psychiatrist. Imagine we can try, let's try a little bit of a role play. Imagine you're the friend and I'll try it a little bit differently. Assume where for me it's easier to say no and I can tell you, you're the friend, I go, you know, you speak to me about so many of your pains and to me, I feel that it's way too much for me to handle. I like having the friendship level with you. Can we just discuss the friendship stuff? Well, how would she respond? I guess she would blush for a second and we go on. Excellent. Go on with her negative stuff or go on to the friendship discussions? No. Friendship. Excellent. So recognize that when we feel unease within ourselves because you're thinking you need therapy 
So your head is not seeing what do I need to do? I need to take care of myself. You're trying to help her, which is again part of that like codependent. I'm not diagnosing you with that. I'm just saying there's a concept because everyone has a level of codependent. It means you need the other person. We want to interact with the other person. But sometimes we get too caught up into it. And what we want to be able to do is what's the reality? Why do I want to pull out of the friends? Not because she needs therapy, because it's too much for me. We want to let the Rabbi Shalom run the world. You might tell her it's too much for me, and I just want to say one thing. I think you might need professional help. Who said she needs a psychiatrist? Who said she needs uh, other stuff? Maybe she needs to speak to a Rav. Maybe it's not OCD or her bad thoughts is going on. Maybe she's got Shalom bias issues. Let's not jump to the diagnosis. Before we, eva- before we diagnose someone, we first need to do a full, a full evaluation. Part of that evaluation before you're diagnosing someone, especially with OCD, is it might be anxiety. It might be other issues. It might just be shalom bias issues. Now, I just want to take it back to you now. So I'd like you to recognize from your question that when our mind, when we have our limitations, if I say no, or i thinking the person needs, to, needs therapy and it will hurt them, we can't just do what we have. And that's part of the training that we get in school. How to be able to stay focused on target, how to be able to connect, disconnect, how to say these topics we're trained to deal with and certain topics we're not. And many times clients want to make an overbearing, oh, if you're the therapist and you're ready, you'll, you'll be the Rav, and you'll already be the Mashgir, and you're also going to be the, go- the, the person that's going to find us a plumber and electrician for every problem that we have, we need to focus, what's my role? So that okay, is your role. I have a question. If she, if she was sitting in my house for two hours, and, and in your point of view, I should have set, her with, set my boundaries, saying I'm sorry, it's already too, too wrong, and I cannot handle it anymore. Notice, and hold on, let's stop there. Let's the stop there right now, just before you do that. Do you notice your tone of voice? You hear already two hours, it's too tense, I can't handle it anymore. Do you see how difficult, when a person has an issue with saying no, how stressful it sounds? If I was that friend, I would say you're so mean. You're no, horrible. I'm asking, I, I didn't say that. I just want you to hear the tension in the voice if you would say that. That is why I'm again recommending for you to look into the concept of codependence or enablers, which is the word no. When you say no, or when a person says no that way, it's triggered and there's a lot of pain. If we can say no gently, saying, you know something, you know, we're speaking, uh, we're speaking for two hours. I thought we'd speak for an hour, maybe 45 minutes, but my kids are coming home soon. I want to take care of supper. I'd like some time for myself. I want to make some other phone calls. Thanks for coming. And you just give a couple of minutes, like a heads up. So you're saying, I understand. I'm not asking you to leave right now. Let's finish in five minutes. Let's go out. How does that sound? Oh, perfect. Do you know that, do you see the difference? Yes. And what I'd like people to recognize is it's not the words that we use. It's the feelings that we feel. Most of language is not the words. Most of the language is tone, body language, eye connection. It's not the words. And that's why I'm just making the recommendation to you to look into and learning to master the beauty of the word no. I have an entire program on my phone line which is called The Beauty of No. And once you can master that, you will find how easy relationships are, how much easier relationships are, how much you can appreciate relationships. Thank you, Suri, for being an amazing person to your friend, to being an amazing yid that you think about so many people, you're concerned for them. And that's part of one of the issues that makes it hard for us to say no, because we're always teaching, we're always being taught that we should go and in the Rabbi Nishleilam's ways, and Mahu Racham Afatu Racham, Kla Yisrael, one of our Koychisa, that we are Rachmanim Bnei Rachmanim. One of our koyches are that we also do chesed. The koyach of us is chesed. But as always, it's got to be balanced. 
Thank you for calling in. We are going to now go to the second Suri on line three. So Suri on line three, you're on the air with Mordechai. For those of you listening in, tuning in now, you're on the air with Mordechai Weinberger, your host, LCSW, that stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We're here to take your questions or comments. We want to thank all those wonderful hosts, the jrootradio.com, for hosting us in their wonderful station over here, hosting us live on their website, Yeshiva World, Lakewood Scoop, and on the phone lines that are having us, and especially to FNW for joining us on the Lakewood, for joining us with their phone line hooked up. The number to call in for your question or comment to the studio is 718-683-5858, I also realize that for those of you that haven't heard um, where I've just mentioned, let's say, my phone line, where I have Shiurim, we've got about 61 or 62 hours Shiurim with Makairis in the psychological department of basics. It's more about inner growth, where we need to grow, natures and all that. That number is 718 718- uh, 298-2011, 718-298-2011, feel free to use them, that's in section 1, in section 6 we also do daily questions and answers, Yiddish and in English, it's quite interesting. Um, Suri, thank you for holding on line 1, on line 3. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My I pleasure wanted to know, and I honor. Spoke with, I spoke with someone, um, a friend of mine, and she told me that her daughter is very immature, She's seven and a half years old, and she says whatever she she went to someone's house, and um, she says, "Oh wow, your 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 house is really dirty." You know, she says that isn't that very mature. I said, "I don't, I, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't say so because seven and a half year old, I would say it's rather cute." All right, so let me just stop you um, here. I see we're getting, let let me just clarify for those of us listening in, calling. Let's just clarify something. I'm just going to apologize. I usually take, if it's a parenting question from the age of 8 and up or 9 and up, specifically for this reason, uh, for the reason is that how to get a kid to speak appropriate, a lot of it is behavioral training, means tools. It's almost impossible for me to give the tools, which I have in the parenting workshops, which actually we're not selling now, but when I've done that, it's about 10 hours of information that each one builds on the next. So... I will, so for an example, just to give you the tools how to deal with that, I'm not able to, and that's usually why the callers come in. Step one. Step two is you're asking me about a friend of yours that has a seven-year-old kid, and we don't know what's going on in the household either. So I, I, no, I wouldn't say I really know what's going on, but all I know, I I thought it was that cute. I mean, she she said was that um, the child, she would never have toys all over the, all over the place. And... You know, the one she told me to was, like, maybe a little offended. And, but I told her, I don't know if it's, if there's anything wrong with a seven-and-a-half-year-old seven child saying such a, such a comment. I think it's rather cute. So what? So, I mean... So let's clarify, your question is a question to me as well, which means there are personalities that are outgoing kids. They're very verbal. They say what they think. They don't mean to attack. They're just saying it. And that's a beautiful... Know, but is, is she in being immature, or is she just So being let's understand. Tough? You are asking me about someone else that we have no idea what's going on. The parent has parenting issues with them. Does the parent know how to control them? Did the parent teach them? Does the parent know how to have a language? That's what makes these questions so difficult, and that's why I really don't address them. We just address the general. So I hear this as a general question. 
cannot answer that unless I have details. And these questions, instead of guiding the parent, I would ask the parent as follows. When you're with your kid, are you able to get the kid to sleep on time? Are you able to prepare them that when you go to certain places to speak appropriate topics? Does the kid understand what's appropriate, when to hold back, when not to hold back? Do you, are you able to get your kid to put away tools? Do you have, do you have basic parenting skills? I don't want to use the word control. Let's say a healthy control over your kid. Sometimes the word control comes out negative. So these are questions that I would be asking the parent. But since you're not the parent, you're asking me about a friend that we don't know what's really going on inside. And again, I'm a therapist, so I've just from experience, I know we have no idea what's going on by someone else. And if a parent sees that trigger, the parent might see other issues that are going on. So therefore, we'll just be able to answer this as general as the question was. Thank you, Suri, for being such a wonderful friend and that you're calling up your friends and trying to help them out. So I appreciate that. We're going to Esti to SD Online 5. The number to call in with your question or comment to the studio, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. For your question or comment, anything about the psychological field, psychological department. Aaron, do we got, do we have, uh, who else? All right. Hello? Yes, hi. Yes. I'm calling about my seven-year-old son. Ooh, okay, so let's just be aware that we're trying not to deal with questions about parenting under the ages of eight or nine. Just to it's make sure not it's a not parenting a, question, let's, it's a psychological question. Good, that's what we want to keep it to. Thanks. Okay, he has, um, he falls asleep on all fours, rocking himself with his pillow on his head, um, and he has to shake like that, and that's the only way he falls asleep. If I force him to stop, he goes into a panic attack. And when I ask the doctor, they say he's going to outgrow it, but he's just getting older and getting more attached to it. My question is, do I, is it better for me to force him to stop, or is it better for me to ignore it and wait it out? Or now, are you, you, is there can, any Can you clarify to me why this is not a parenting question? Because um, I read up on it, and they say it's like a, a soothing um, condition that they... I don't think it has to do with behavior. Uh, it's not a behavior thing. Do you know how to stop him in other behaviors besides for this? If I tell him to stop this, he's going to stop it. Wait, do you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you yeah, do have if the I control tell him, to I stop told him. If I tell him to stop it, he stops it, but he starts crying that he's never going to sleep in his life anymore. Now, do you notice again why it's a parenting question? This threat that he has is where classical uh, parenting uh, course would just give you the tools how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not, to, I'm purposely not going into it. Okay. All right, because it's just too much. I'd like you to hear, to me, this is a classical parenting question. My kid is doing something I feel is not age appropriate. When I stop it, the kid throws a tantrum and throws a fit. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's very mature about okay, it. Did I, me. I understood. Let me just review. I understood at least that from my perception of the question is that you said that if you stop it, he'll throw a panic attack. No? He'll, he'll start crying that this is the only way he could fall asleep, not because it's a behavior. That's right. And let me clarify. This is exactly what I call a parenting question, where mm -hmm. we need the skills and the tools and how to address it and what to do with it, that it should be done gently in a lovingly manner, but you still the parent. No, but let's say if I tell him not to do it for the first two hours after he goes into bed, he's just going to go in nicely, he's not going to do it, and he's going to try all the ways to fall asleep, and then after three hours, he's going to come back to me and ask me if exactly. he's allowed Exactly, and guess what? Here are tools. So you're asking me, teach me how to help with OCD, and I know the basics because I just bought a book. So the book says, fight the thoughts, 
don't do the behaviors, but what happens when it comes back? That's exactly why there's a therapist. That's exactly why we don't just say person read a book. Now it's let's take it to you. Your question is classical parenting question. I'm trying not to go into it into detail. I think I, 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 think I will not give question, you the answer because uh, I feel I, there's I, a lot more. I feel you need the one-on-one -on -one guidance for that. I'm, again, as we had in the first question, we need to learn how to set boundaries. I am very clear with what is healthy when I answer, what I'm not, at least based on my assumptions, and what is not. This question, I believe very clearly and very strongly, is a parenting question. So my recommendation is to find a parenting course, to speak to someone one-on-one -on -one that does a parenting issue, and I can answer it very short, but I feel I'm doing a disservice. The answer in short is yes, take it away, the kid will be okay, but then what happens three hours later? We need to then give you the soothing tools for that. That's why I feel that we're getting into a parenting issue on how to deal, what to say, how to be assertive. I try it. He might say this. He might say that. I'm trying to really stay focused to the issues of psychological issues, comments, questions, and parenting issues. Let's send it to where, you, where you get the four or five hours or the ten hours, or you just might need a one-hour conversation. But it's not for the awareness purpose of this program that we're doing. Thank you for your question. Um, let's go to Hani on line one. Hani, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Yes. I would like to ask you, um, when I rush out of the house, I start to get anxious. Sorry, Every time. it was breaking up. Say that again. When you rush out of the house? When I have an appointment or I have to catch the bus or or just going outside, I start, I start panicking, sort of. I get physical symptoms of anxiety. Yes. That sounds like anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, now... But only when I go out, when I go to a point when I go... When I just go out to the park, I don't feel it. I so appreciate your question, relaxing. because your question is so about awareness that we want to create awareness. So, for all of you and those of you out there that find yourself, when you do a certain task, that you get anxious, you get nervous, you get angry, you get tense, you might get down, you might get down or depressed... You might find yourself thinking, just remembering a certain time, and it affects, it changes your body, your, your response. I'd like to create now the awareness in this. And just to plug the number again, for those of you that would like to call in, ask your question or comment, um, the 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. To ask your question or comment uh, for Mordechai Weimerger, that's me, your host, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. Again, 718-683-5858. Um, so let's create now the awareness. Our brain, our body are connected. And let's take it a step further that we've got such a magnificent, amazing machine that the Rabbi Shalom has given us in our brains that nothing happens without a purpose. Which means if you are going out and all of a sudden you start getting panicky and it's only in the morning, it's not later on, what I'll help you do now is to start creating the awareness, what is the message of my subconscious that I have been ignoring, that I have been denying? That is the question that we're going to do. So now I'm going to ask you, when you go out, is it every morning? Is it only specific mornings? Whenever, let's say I went to the airport, I was very anxious. So let me I clarify went, again. I can't I'm every asking, morning. No, it, not every morning. Okay, so it's specific mornings. Now, is it once a week? Is it once a month? It's when I rush. 
when I physically rush. Excellent. So let's recognize, and for those of you listening, I'd like to show you the path that I am taking with the brain. So the question that I heard originally is whenever I leave the house in the morning, I get anxiety, and it's only in the morning. Then we're clarifying now that it's sometimes when you go to the airport or whenever you rush. Now let me ask you, is it when you rush just in the morning? Is it also when you rush during the day or later on or even in the evening? Doesn't matter when I rush. Okay, so now let's clarify that the question that your anxiety starts not about mornings, it's about rushing. Correct? I th that's what I, I became aware of, that when I rushed, I was trying to figure out what's the problem. But when I was, uh, always when I rushed, when I have to rush, I, I feel it in my hands. Excellent. Like a now let me I have clarify for you and for everyone listening why we need a therapist or someone to bounce ideas off or someone that understands the language of emotions. And the reason is that the Rebbein has given each of our brains a filter. means we can only see X amount of Ahasuerus and not further. Otherwise, the mind might not be able to handle it. We might not be able to handle our mistakes. And it's the best taiva the Rebbein has given us. In psychology, they call it denial. They're not referring to denial where someone denies something. Denial, you actually do not see it. It does not exist. And we know that G'dayla, many times in history, never wanted to swear a shvua because they're afraid that maybe they are giving, even though they're a thousand percent sure, they'd rather pay the chayv or pay whatever it is if there's an entire, rather than give a shvua because they're worried maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they're going to say something that isn't a hundred percent true and they only saw it based, one of the reasons they saw it based on their perception. And there are countless stories with big gedolim, because usually the gedolim were on top of the tzedakahs of the community in those days, and they said, you didn't pay back. The person says, I did. There wasn't a star. And throughout the times, the, they, made, they usually made the Rabbanim do the Shavu at the end. But just to understand this concept that we have, we cannot see ourselves clearly. Now, when you're saying you're trying to figure it out on your own, if you have someone else doing it and someone understands a little to emotions, it makes it so much clearer. We're not yet talking about therapy. We're not doing therapy. We're just discussing how to get the awareness out there. So let's start now. So when you find that you're stressed, when you're physically rushing to do things, what happens? Let's now start analyzing it, take it a step deeper. What is happening to you that you're starting to get anxious and panicky? What are your thoughts? I must accomplish, I can't breathe, I won't be able to do everything, you're leaving the house in a mess. What's no, not, what are the thought patterns? No breathing issues, no. Good, so tell me Just, what, yes. Um, trying to think. Think of the thought patterns. I, I Imagine you're not leaving. The physical anxious. Okay, good. I, I want to create, I want you to recognize physical anxiousness does not, is not true. I'll let me rephrase it. It is true. The physical anxiousness is because your brain is talking to you. Your brain is telling you, you have not listened to me. So I'm going to make you, I'm going to scream louder for you to listen. And I'm helping you now identify what are the thoughts that are going through. Is it what happens when you're physically stressing yourself? Is it that you're physically rushing or is it maybe that you want to do so many things at once? Could be that what? That's what? Could be what? Can you clarify? I want to have to run everything. Ah, so is it possible that when you need to leave somewhere and you need to do five tasks, you have, let's say, five minutes to do it, but some of the tasks take 15 minutes, means and you need to do 
too much in a short time that doesn't exist. Does that make sense? That that's when you get anxious? No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm always punctual on time, but I think I want to put in more than... Um... Yeah, so that's, ex that's actually exactly what I'm saying. That when your brain wants to put an hour's work in 20 minutes work, your mind now gets stressed. I cannot handle that. Can that be it? Could be. So why, so why when I rush, though? Let's now, maybe we can create a new term saying it's not when I rush. My anxiety comes when I try to do too much at one time. My behavior is I rush to try to do it all, but my brain is telling me I can't. And it's saying, Hani, stop. Because Hani, a, lot of time I go out with, a lot of times I go out with a list of what I need to do, and I'm very calm, and I walk out the door, and, and half of it is not being done. And, when, and I'm fine. But I find when I start rushing or running, that's when I... So can we maybe clarify what you're saying is that when you can accept, when you can make a list... Your brain knows what I'm going to do. I can get back to it so it doesn't feel stressed that it has to do it all. That the issue is emotional. I'm trying to help you identify that it might not be the rushing. It might be the emotions. And when you don't have the list, you're not clear with what you're doing. And your mind is now running all over the place and the anxiety. And you're also physically rushing. That is what's creating it. I'd like to help for you to identify. I'm not saying that's so. We first need to identify what is happening there. So maybe, let me ask you, when you rush other times, but you just have to do one task, are you also anxious? Um, I never thought about that one. So think about it, and this is the way we want to create an awareness that it might not be the rushing. It might be your rushing is reacting to the anxiety that your mind is saying that you're forcing yourself to put too much in a few amount of time. And the brain will say, I can't handle this. All anxieties are, when anyone has anxiety attacks, it's the subconscious saying, we need to change our life. I'm telling you, I'm giving you messages, and you're not listening, so I'm going to talk louder. I'm going to start screaming. So when you go to the airport? I'm going to start shouting. I'm going to start giving you physical pains if you don't stop to listen to me. Hmm? When, I, when I go to the airport, I a list to do. Hold on, let's not go I'm to the airport, because the airport can be separate anxieties and separate fears. Are you concerned about if you have kids, where are they all stationed? Are you concerned that some of the kids might, be, might not be happy where you're going? Are you concerned that you really didn't want to go and you're going because you're pushed or you have to, or you're doing it for your husband, or you're doing it for various reasons that you don't want to go? The, create, the idea that I want to just help you and the listeners listening right now is that when we have anxiety, it's our brain saying something isn't going well. You might have anxiety in five different areas, and they are not related at all. And they are related to the one simple level that your subconscious, your brain is telling you, we need to make a behavioral change in our life. So many people are telling me, I was able to do this till 50, but now I can't. Why can't I? Very simple. You're now 50. Will you take the same pay job that you took when you were 20? You won't. So why do you feel your brain the bottom line that you have? What? It's not a bottom line that you have anxiety and finish, and that's why you have it in five different areas. If a person has anxiety, you've just made a Let me ask you something. Is it possible that your chocolate cake just happened because there are chocolate cakes in so many houses? Does it have to be that someone made the actual chocolate cake? <laughs> I don't understand me... your example. What? I don't understand All your right, example. Let me explain your example. Since anxiety is, Baruch Hashem, extremely treatable, 
We're able to recognize that it's thoughts that are creating it. We're able to recognize it might come from trauma. We're able to recognize where the anxiety comes from, and therefore therapy, we can treat it. And if therapy doesn't right, work... Right, it's too anxiety. Wait, wait, let me finish. That's what I'm let, to me, say. let me finish. And since anxiety is usually treatable with the regular therapy, if it's not, there are medications that help that, but we're still able to identify where it comes from. So what I'd like you to realize is anxiety, based from a therapeutic point of view, we understand the mahalo how it came. We understand that the brain is saying, I can't manage anymore. And therefore, the anxiety is coming. Now let's go to chocolate cake. Just because people have it and they're in denial doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, which means just because so many houses have a chocolate cake, so the chocolate cake is just there. No, how a chocolate cake came about is someone baked it or someone went to a store and bought it. Now we have a chocolate cake. Now we can identify which one is it. Did you buy it or did you bake it? But it just doesn't happen. From a therapist's point of view, which I deal with anxiety, a large part of the day we help people with anxiety. I don't want to say I deal with anxiety. Um, I work with my issues, but going back to you, it's very clear that there's a pattern. So you're now asking me, does anxiety just pop up? And to that, the information is absolutely no, that not. Questioned. That wasn't my question. I meant to say, if a person has anxiety, bottom line, he has anxiety, so it pops up in all kinds of different areas. That's, what, That's that right. was my question. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. If someone has anxiety, it means they're not listening to their brain. The brain will shut you down more and more, and the older you get and the less you listen, the stronger the anxiety will get. And the more painful it is, and that's what, the harder it is to change also, because, you know, the brain is too stuck. It has to go my way. I can't let go. Then these people come to me, what, I'm going to need to have more than two sessions? Just tell me how to get rid of it. And the whole point of anxiety is identifying letting go. Not the whole point. A large part of it is recognizing what I can do, what I can't do. I'm in a human physical body. The Rabbi Shalom has put us in time. When we're a Malach, we're able to do everything. When we're in a Shama, we're able to do that. So your education, okay. what you're getting now is that you're recognizing that anxiety is coming for a very specific reason. When you try to put more in, that's possible. When you have some tools that are helping you, you're able to control it that it doesn't come up. But the underlying program of pushing you that you got to do so much, I hear is still there. And if we would take each of the places where you have anxiety, you can follow that same pattern. What are the thoughts? How am I pushing myself more than that's possible? or I just can't relax, or I can't let go of things, and you're going to find that that's where anxiety comes from. So thank you, Hani, for calling, for the awareness, for you, thank you. for those of you. I appreciate it, and Hatzlacha. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Those of you tuning in now, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. And with Siata Deshmaya, we look forward to taking your questions or comments along the mental health field or about parenting questions from the ages of 8 and up. Looking forward to taking those. Blimi, Blima, you're on the air with Mordechai. Line 2. Hi, listening to me? Yes, we're hearing you, Blima. All right. I have a message to pass to listeners. Yes. I listen to your phone line. The more awareness I am getting, the more amazed I am. And I have a message to all listeners who are who get the awareness, but they have doubt in starting therapy. I want to give them that push that there is nothing to fear. It's all about facing yourself, and that's really all it is. 
I would like and you to just... And you're going to face yourself one day anyways, and it's things that you do mention on your phone line. But I feel when you hear it from listeners, it might be easier to face it. Thank you. So just say it again. When you hear it from the LCSW, it's like maybe it's just a way of marketing or all kinds of <laughs> denials. <laughs> but I appreciate your a, honesty and your candidness, your openness. Pardon? I appreciate your openness. In fact, let me affirm. So I do go for therapy. It's all about facing myself. I feel great in the areas that I am already growing, and I look forward to in my areas that I'm still going to face. Thank you. Now, hold on, because I would like to validate what you've just said, actually, and uh, the strength of you calling in for listeners to know. For those of you that listen in, many times you hear the way I discuss different types of therapy. There is cognitive therapy where you explain logic information. There is subconscious therapy, inner child, where you have the person listen to past stuff or to the messages of the subconscious. There's um, behavioral therapy where you focus on the behavior, you train those. And there's also some different than types of therapy. So CBT puts cognitive and behavioral together. There's now dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT. There is inner work. There are different types. There's a very powerful therapy that I work with. I go to several of those, and those are called group therapy. The major power to group therapy is exactly what you've said. When people come many times to a therapist, they put all those perceptions onto the therapist. You're healthy. You're perfect. You have no mistakes in your life. You're going to tell me how to deal with it. Or how dare you tell me what to do? You've never experienced what I've experienced, so therefore you can't do it. There are many thoughts that people have when they go to therapy, and Baruch Hashem therapy is highly successful. However, there's group therapy. The power to group therapy is that it's, you're going with four or five individuals, usually with the same issue with what you're dealing with, and people on various levels means on a certain level that, just take an example, you might be having an issue with crossing the street and that person was able to cross the street. Now that person is dealing with being able to, when they cross the street, to be able to go up in a tight location. And when someone says, but I'm afraid, I'll never get better. And the person that went through that says, yes, I've been there. It took me a couple of work group and I use this tool and that tool. Hearing it from people that have gone through it, giving you chizuk, is a lot, I don't want to use more powerful, is extremely powerful tool and therapy. And therefore, part of this therapy, which is getting very popular now, which is called DBT, is part of their therapy model is you got to go to group therapy. And I find so many people are afraid to open up publicly. And when you would hear or go to a group therapy, which is not public, it could be a closed group of just three, four people where you machazik each other. And you hear it, it is such a powerful transformation that I see it. And people tell me all the time that one-on-one -on -one therapy is important, I need it. But the chizuk that I get from the group therapy is sometimes that icing on the cake that lets the entire therapy go on so much quicker. So by you telling people... So I want to come out and say it again because my battery power is becoming extremely low. Okay. It was my therapy or my group therapy that gave me, that made me face that I do have the power of making this phone call. Thank you. Thank so you. I think I said it in the most powerful way. All the listeners who feel they can have help when they will go for therapy, but they are endowed because of the stigma or for whatever reason, listen to me and take that first Johnny step, and you'll see it's all about baby steps. Thank you very, 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 very much for that 
for your comment. So if I can do and share the message on this phone line, I think that the chiz you have is great. Great. So let me tell you how many people you've just shared it with. We are now live on jrootradio.com. We are having Yeshiva World. We're having a Lakewood Scoop. We're having it on my phone line. Several thousand people are having it now on FNW's phone line. We're also having it on the Jroot Radio's phone line. So I the, came a real long way. As yes, I can tell you, I would estimate probably between, let's, I don't want to go, but there are many thousands of people listening to you and listening to your message, at least on the recordings and all that that comes along with it. So, Chazak V'yamatz, thank you for the brachim, for the schus that the Rebbein has given me, and your schus now being part of it, and sharing it, and doing your part. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. Excellent. The number to call in with your question or comment is, the number to the studio is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Aaron, who do we go to next? We're going to Bela on line one. Bela, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Thank you very much again. I'm always loving this show. My pleasure. And I have like this. I have two yeshiva boys. One is 15 and one is 16. And they are both great kids. Baruch Hashem. Really Baruch adorable, Hashem. excellent. They're very different. Um, and I think they have like sort of trouble with each other. But I'm just going to focus on one because that's where I really need the guidance. My younger one is embarrassed with my older one. And they go together and they... They're not in the same class, but they're like in the same Vismatish and the same Yeshiva. Most of the staff members are different, but of course the principal is the same. And um, My older one is a very outgoing, fun-loving um, type of individual who is all over the place and everyone is around him and he gets into trouble and gets out of it, like not serious, but like he's more like that type. That yes. He's very shrewd and he's very good and he learns like that also. Like he's always running into new questions and new and, and always getting the answers and telling everyone and like he's very that type. My younger one is a very straightforward, um, goody goody type and he he's embarrassed with my older one. I'm just wondering if you have any t and also, also he's not really talking about it. My older one is more verbal. The younger one is not really saying much but I'm sensing it. And I wanna help him a little, like I don't know if what I should tell him. Like of course I can explain to him everyone's different but I think he needs a lot of a chizik on detaching or like, I don't know how to... Okay, so let's, I like your question because it's a fantastic awareness question. And that is nature's. Somehow in this world, or I shouldn't say this world, this generation, we have equated outgoing to successful, stubborn as in strong, stubborn to strong, and mean even as an authority. And it is so not true. Which means you can be gentle, you can be quiet, and you can be from the strongest leaders that are out there. So mm -hmm. I like giving an example of my Rosh Hashiva where I learned by Rav Pam Zatzal. I learned by him for two and a half years. And it was amazing to see what a quiet, calm, easy person he was. But with his calmness, he was able to affect so many people and have such an amazing influence on others. So you don't need that loud noise. We have it several times in Navi, but especially with the second time Harsinai was, was used by Elioa Navi. And he goes, that he covered himself by Adartoi with a, with a cloak, and then there was a huge fire, and he says, Loi Hashem. And then there was a huge noise, Loi Hashem. Then there was a huge wind, Loi Hashem. Then all of a sudden it was quiet. 
silence. And that's when he felt the Rabbi Nishleim. The Rabbi Nishleim, the Kayach, the ultimate essence of the Rabbi Nishleim, is in silence, in the peacefulness. And somehow this world, we are still so busy with the fire, with the wind, with the banging. And what we would like to, first of all, identify and recognize is that each nature has their power. Each power, each nature has their weakness. So there's a strength and a weakness to a nature. Let's go take your older son now. Your older son's strength is, Baruch Hashem, he's emotional, he's verbal. He will get into fights, he will apologize. What he thinks, you know. It's a positive, you know what's going on inside. It's a negative, he might say it sometimes too much and he'll get into an issue. And therefore he'll learn, and the goal is not to say it's positive or negative, it's to learn how to balance your nature and how to use it to the fullest. Now let's go to your, son's, your second son's nature. He seems more the quiet type. He seems more the introspective type, the one that thinks more. He's the type that because he's maybe aware of other people, he might be aware of the pain. If he says something, what it will happen? And therefore, he might also feel the consequences of what someone does. So when we say, who is a smart person, someone that is looking as to what's going to come, your younger son is a wonderful person. He might even be a smart person. But wisdom is when you look several steps in the future, your younger son might, I'm sorry, your older son might not do that that much, but your younger son might do that. So that's a positive. See, he's aware. He makes sure when he speaks, it's correctly. He makes sure he doesn't hurt people. Now let's go to the negative. The negative of that nature is he's shy. He might not share his feelings. He might hold himself back from doing stuff that he wants to do because in his mind, he already did the whole chess player and it won't work out, which isn't true. He might be embarrassed that he might have that connection to his brother, that if his brother does something that's embarrassing, he will feel as if it's happening to him. And what our job is as parents are, and that's what the Rabbi Shalom gives us that real hard job as parents, is to learn how to connect to each kid what they need. So if you might be an emotional, verbal person, you'll connect very well with your older son. Or you might connect very well with your younger son where you're talking, but he might not be sharing much. And what we need to learn is how to be able to connect to each child based on their personality. So your younger son, you might need to learn how to take, instead of a 40-word response to a question, you might just need to learn how to master the five-letter word. How was your day? Bach Shem, good. The Rebbe was a little harder today, but it worked out. Okay, he just gave you an entire book for him. Now you could start stretching it out a little. So the Rebbe was hard, means the Rebbe was nervous, means the Rebbe learned a lot, means it was information you didn't know, it means you went to sleep late. You might need to put words in his mouth for him to start expressing it. And then when he'll say, yeah, chances are you'll go, yeah, what? I gave you four options. Which yes do you have that? And I've got a lot with clients, where when clients are coming into me and they're the emotional, thoughtful type, or they're afraid or concerned that they have experiences where they open up emotions and they get attacked, so slowly, we've got to help them out. This might be the job that your other kid, this younger son, might need. So the secret to such children is if you can put words in their mouth and expect a no from them, which means you might tell him, you pro it probably bothers you when the older brother does so-and-so. And he might say, maybe. So now you'll put an O. Oh, does it bother you when he does this and this and this? You're going to start guesswork. One of the points that I've learned from experience is that when I guess, most of the time I get a no from a client, but then they will tell me what yes, or I ask them what yes. And as parents, be comfortable going through the process. Does that make sense to you, or I'm just darshaning over here? Um, no, it makes a lot of sense. It's just not targeting my question so much, because Baruch Hashem, I think I'm very okay with both of them. I really learned the differences, and I think they're both amazing. 
I just need some more tips on how to help my son handle the idea that he doesn't have to be embarrassed with his older brother. So here is where I was trying to clarify where you're going to the tool I was trying to give you, and maybe I'll be clearer this way, is to actually ask him, what part are you embarrassed? Did he say he's embarrassed? Because you remember, I, I heard you saying you think he's embarrassed. He, I thought he's embarrassed all along, but now he said it to my, other, to my older son. He finally said it to my older son, and my older son came telling me about it. Good. So, so I asked here's him, where I'm trying to open up with you now. I need you to make the connection, not mm -hmm. making assumptions. When you make assumptions, it might be right, but it might also not be right. What I would like you is, so my suggestion step one is connect to your son. You need mm -hmm. to connect with him. Number two, you need to start shooting blanks. Are you embarrassed of the older son? Give mm -hmm. me stories where you're embarrassed. Clarify mm -hmm. the feel embarrassed. Maybe he's angry. Maybe he doesn't mm -hmm. even know the words. And to define, what I'm trying to give you yeah. is the tips to put words in there. Wait, hold on. Let me finish now. <laughs> okay. Just expressing itself will be take away 50 to 80% of the stress. If he can just verbalize it with you before we go into the tools. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give you homework right now. Okay. Call up next week. I would mm -hmm. like you to speak to him two times, if not three times this week. Discuss different feelings that he has inside that he's keeping in. And the way to do that is start targeting different people. And which means tell him, okay, tell me something that bothers you about his brother. Something you like. We just don't want to focus on the negative. Tell me something about the house or about me that you would like, that you like that's going on. And tell me one or two things that bother you a little. It might be he doesn't spend enough time with you. It might be that he likes a different type of supper. It might be you get nervous sometimes. It might be you're texting when, it's, when he asks you something. You want to get him to start verbalizing. You want to get him to start communicating. That's the only exercise that I'm getting that I'd like you to do. So identify in, if you can do it two or three times. So I'd like to hear from you two to six issues that he has. I'd like to hear the positives as well. And identify an emotion. So you can ask him, oh, when you feel that, do you feel angry? He might just say no. So do you feel sad? No. Do you feel nervous? No. Do you feel um, alone? Yes. Okay, I feel alone. Mm -hmm. Make sense? I want you to do that, and I'd like you to see not what you heard from others, for you to start creating the connection directly mm -hmm. to him. Yeah, I and think I, he'll be fine. He'll shoot right away. He won't be so. If I open him up, he'll talk, talk, talk. He'll good. be all right. So I will do that right. I will we'll take care of that next week. I'm telling okay. you it seems easy. Give me that homework. Do that, Meretz and next week we're going to follow up. We'll take you to the whole new level. I'm looking forward. Thank you so much. With the greatest of pleasures. I would like to thank our sponsor for having this show and keeping this program going. So thank you, Dynabit PC. Dynabit, you can call them at 347-946-1826 for all your home and business needs, including, when they say this thing, I'd like you guys to know, I probably plan on calling you guys at Dynabit PC because I've got over here a website that can probably use a little touch-up to have the programs on. So not only that, but hopefully by next week, Mertesham, we'll be able to give you guys some feedback also. But sponsoring it, they take care of your hardware and software installation needed for your computer, web hosting if it's needed, remote support, Microsoft Windows and server management, installing, maintaining network security. If, that's, if you guys need that stuff, security in your office, network maintenance, VoIP, system maintenance, if you need maintenance for your hardware or software, for your PC, for your computer, or any office that's running it, please use Dynabit, an appreciation for hosting, for sponsoring this program. The number is 347-946-1826, 347-946-1826. Thank you guys, Dynabit. 
Let's go to who do we have next hour on the number? Uh, for those of you that like to call, ask your questions, 718 683 5858, 718 683 5858. Hani, you're on the air. For those of you listening, I think I'd say this is the first program so far. We haven't had one male caller, one man calling in. We're going straight women. Again, we take all questions. We're here for your awareness, Metzeshem. But we'd like to also get a little change. So if there are any men listening, they have your question, call up. We might even skip you a little ahead of the line just to get a little change in questions, views. But Or maybe not. We'll let Aaron decide that if we're just going to follow, follow the path. Chani, you're on the air with Mordechai, the number to call in for those of you is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Chani, you're on. Hello? Chani, line six. Oh, sorry, we're going to Surrey. Surrey, line two. Surrey, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai, is it me? Yes, we hear you. Oh, great. Um, I wonder if you recognize me. Basically, I've been before Pesach, and I was a seminary student. I sit down. Um, yeah, you did remember? you wait? Let me ask you. You called in? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I usually do. Usually I get the voice. It's a little bit quieter. You know, just speak a drop more, because I, I usually like testing myself. It's funny. I don't remember. I have. A, I shouldn't say I don't remember. I have a difficulty remembering people's names. But emotional stuff, I remember them years later. So I tell clients, don't worry about me remembering your name. I just have to see you, and I'll All remember right. everything we worked on years later. So uh, right. let's so go ahead. I, oh, I yes. You're, wait, let's see. Your question was that you're, when you're home, your mother, you seem to have gotten Ooh, treatment. Oh, wow. You remember. Yes. You get. <laughs> yeah, that was right. It. So your question was that you're home for Ben Azmanen from, from seminary, and you got triggered by your mother, but with friends, you don't get triggered. Yeah, that was it. Okay. I just wanted to give you feedback. Please, because so let's wait, hold I, on, before you give the feedback, first let's share what your question was, what my response was. People always like it much better, or it goes in deeper, I find, when it comes from the person themselves, and then we'll take the feedback. And I also remember so that you saying, called in from England. Your, your British accent is not just British accent living in the U.S., you're calling all the way in from England, so I appreciate when we have all the callers calling why, in from England. Yeah, yes. that's why it's quieter. Yes. Right? So my question was that I, was, I had very much, I had a very dark mood swings myself, and also when I came home, and I was very much triggered by my mother, and I thought the whole time that it was the fact that I had mood swings that caused everything. But really, when you made me aware that it was the fact that you know, when that, when you're at home, then you have and everything, then basically you get more triggered, but because it's like the core issues that sort of come up, right? That's right. That was exactly that. So let's just clarify for those listening. So she is a, a teenager girl in seminary coming home and saying that she has quite a lot of mood swings, especially when she's home. And what we clarified was that they're not mood swings. They are emotional, strong emotions that haven't been worked out. And because they haven't been worked out, we, when it's more personal, we can get triggered in a second. So we might find, that's always one of my concerns that my kids will tell me, you've got patience for everyone. But when it comes to the family, you get triggered. So, Baruch Hashem, I can tell you, my wife and kids sometimes give me a little report card and tell me, Tati, you're so much better lately. You know, or like, you're so calm this Shabbos. But, uh, yeah, so it's harder, at, it's harder to do that with family. And our goal is to master that. The more personal it is, the more we can get triggered. And we can get triggered in seconds when it's more personal. So now let's go to the feedback. So... 
since you told me this, you gave me this awareness, it was really enlightening because I thought it was like my mother. I thought, what's her issue? So at the minute I saw what was the matter, it was really my issue, I started, I decided to view my mother as my headmistress, and I really like her. I really like my headmistress. And I started just viewing that everything my mother said was like my headmistress said. So it was like Kodesh Kodeshim. So automatically I started, I looked at my, my sisters and brothers as friends, and automatically I just had such a different relationship over the whole Pesach. It was so calm. It was, it was just amazing. You have no clue what of course you have for this. It's, I would like you to repeat what you just said, and I'm going to give you a tool that's one of the most amazing tools. It's it's really from a therapist in the 1960s, but I find it the most, this is like a theory. Once I saw that, it really changed my main focus. I actually read it and heard about it before I started the whole therapy practice, but it shifted my life, and we're going to share that with you in a second, but I'd like you to say it again. How was your Pesach, for those of you listening, for those teenagers listening, for those adults that when you go to your parents' house for Yom Tovim and it's triggered, did your parents change? Did your mother change? You used to have issues with her all the time? Yeah. Who's the one that changed? Me. I yes. Think. And what did you do to change? What was a shift? The cognitive. You see, this is a logical shift. We created awareness. There wasn't even behavior. I didn't even give you any tools. I would just like people to realize that when I sometimes refer to inner work or cognitive work or behavioral work, sometimes people go, oh, you only believe in subconscious work. Absolutely not. We've just done a cognitive shift, which is called logical shift, and look at the shift. So go ahead, share. What was the shift that you had? I'm just repeating it so it should get wired in. I find when people hear things several times, it gets in there. What was the shift that you decided to view your mother as? So I viewed my mother as the headmistress that I read the head teacher that I really like. As the headmistress, and the every principal. time she said something. Yes. Yeah, my principal. Yeah, we say in British like that. So, um, and I also viewed my my sisters and brothers as friends. So when they told me something, it was like my friend told it to me. It was just like a joke. I didn't get triggered. Excellent. You Excellent. So, so you have works. shifted out of the emotional family trigger that my brother and sister did it. You sort of, in your mind, shifted them to a family, to a friend relationship. And friend, so a friend said something, big deal. And with your mother, you yeah. imagined her like the headmistress, like the principal. And therefore, <laughs> when a principal says something, you just listen, you don't fight. Beautiful. Now let mm-hmm. me share with you the trick. It's a trick for us to recognize that when we get triggered by anyone... The person did not do anything. We are the one that was triggered within ourselves. So this guy, I'll just share the name because it's a famous name out there. His name is Carl Rogers, and he created a therapy called client-centered therapy, which he said there is no one out there. If someone is yelling at me and it hurts me, it's because of my weaknesses that are going on within myself. And his whole therapy is basically focused that we switch it onto the person. So instead of saying my mother's triggering me, His therapy focuses how my mother is hitting some weaknesses or I'm hearing words that I have a weakness within myself or I'm being controlled or I believe that family members should not be controlling me. Now when they tell me something, I'm triggered. And sometimes the solution is like you change it. Like, oh, a headmistress, a a principal is allowed to control me or tell me what to do. So I view my mother that way and now they're allowed to tell me what to do. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. might be that the issue is, oh, I really don't feel in control of my own life. So therefore, when someone else controls me, I get triggered. Now, it's easier said Mm -hmm. than done because we're still humans. And it's hard to say every time we get upset that it's us. 
And we have that in Yiddishkeit, the concept of kol de posel b'mumoy posel. That when someone sees a problem, right. someone sees a weakness in someone else, they're really seeing our weakness. And this is right along those therapies, right along those lines. And well, I was supposed to have a question. Okay, we'll do that. There's just one more concept that, pe- that we have in Yiddishkeit when it's brought down from the Svarim, when I hear that is, ein adava tluya that when something is happening... Yeah, that's happen- what you told me. Yes, excellent. So let's go ahead. So we said that, that one. Excellent. Now let's go to your question. So my question was at the beginning about mood swings. I just wanted to know, um, when I get like this feeling of yosh and, and just like, I just like feel like it's hard to live and all that, I just wonder, do you have any quick tool that could just help me out of it? So I will share with you a little about myself, and that is as follows. Emotional people, people that have a lot of emotions, get ups and downs. And I am an emotional person, and there are times that I can feel very down. There are times I can feel down. And many times clients come to me, they went to a therapist, and the therapist says, oh, you should not be feeling down. I don't like when therapists start saying what should and should not happen based on their experiences. It's got to be based on understanding all the natures. Now, based on understanding natures, if something is not correct or it's too extreme, then, yes, we need to start doing therapy on that. But what I find, so many people are contacting me and so many people are coming in. And because I'm not seeing you one-on-one, I'm not evaluating, we're not doing like a real evaluation. Do you just feel ups and downs all the time? Is it just when something doesn't work out? One of the main cognitive tools are out there that I use for myself is I call it ride the wave. Understand that because we are emotional people, we like the ups. If you're going to have an up, you're going to have a down. The goal is not to get stuck at the downs. The goal is not to think that, oy vey, downs are bad. In order for us to experience life, we're going to have ups and downs. Now, which I also have an entire program on the different natures, the positives and negatives. I seem to have several natures that one are opposites from the other. Another one is yeah, a very grounded, that. solid person. So to have ups and downs emotions at the same time when I like doing things very balanced and grounded made it very confusing for me for a while to understand what's going on with me. So understand that for me, that when I get down, I've learned tools for me. When I'm down is to communicate, verbalize it. And sometimes I can tell to my wife, sometimes I can tell to my friends, I need you now just to listen. I just got to get the emotion out. It's out and unbelievable how it made the shift, sort of the way you've done the shift with your mother. That's why I'm not that concerned that you have emotional ups and downs. Because if you're able to make that shift and it worked right away, I would say it's more about you learning how to use your nature. Your nature is your emotions. You're going to connect to people. You're going to be happy. People are going to want to be around you. You're going to be able to give people chizuk. You're going to be able to do mitzvah with a passion. The downside is you're going to feel down at times. You're going to feel you didn't do enough. You're going to feel you should have done more. And when you can start so how can learning... I feel when I feel like that? Exactly. And if when you can learn to just ride the wave, say, this is my feeling, verbalize it. Who can I say it to? And if you can't say it to anyone, just say it alone in your room. Just express it. If you can even tell a yeah, friend... Yeah, you think it'll help? Well, uh, at least that has worked by me. Try it. I see you do amazing work on your own. Try it. Emotional people need to verbalize. Just be aware that somehow the Rebbe Shalom has this amazing way of taking emotional people and marrying them off to people that are not so emotionally expressive. They might be emotional, but not that expressive. And get used to expressing it. You can work on that. Find a friend that's emotional expressive. Just express. Find a teacher. Find a friend. We don't want to share our things publicly with everyone. So find one or two people you feel comfortable with, but express it. Expression for emotional people is a lifeline. It's like eating food, drinking water, expressing your feelings. And you could say, I know it's not true. I just feel it. 
is literally can change your entire life and know that this is your nature. This is your strength. You can be a fantastic dyna dynamic speaker. The more you talk, the more energized you'll get. Yeah, it's true. It's just, just like me, yeah? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so you say basically what I should do is I should um, speak at my emotion and then afterwards the feeling will automatically just subside. That's right. And what you might find is the longer you keep it in, the bigger the stress will build. So you keep in the stress for four days, boy, you're going to release it. And do you know how else and you're going to paint the whole person so black with the situation? That black. The longer you keep it in, the darker the picture looks. And emotions work the uh -huh. minute it's expressed, not even an hour later. The minute it is expressed, oh, I feel so much better already. That is emotions. You're not crazy. You're normal. You're an emotional person. Learn to use your nature. And the Rabbi Nishleilam has let everyone use their nature. He's given it to us. You'll find G'daylam that have used each of their natures. There's the quiet Godel used his nature his way. The logical Godel used his nature his way. The emotional Godel used his nature his way. We're meant to wow. use our natures that the Rabbi Nishleilam has given us and to balance that. Thank you so, so much for this. It's you are very welcome. I appreciate it. And it's touching to hear, Baruch Hashem, that you had such a beautiful Pesach with that little bit, couple of minutes of awareness. And I appreciate <laughs> you calling up with the feedback because it gives chizuk and it really keeps things moving along. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so, so much. I You're welcome. Aaron, who do we have on the line? Who's next? Uh, we're going to Batia. Batia, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, okay. fantastic. Okay, I have a question. I have a, a boy who just turned three years old, and, I have, old? Un, and I have under him oh, two kids. How old is your boy? He just turned three. Just turned three, okay. Okay, and I have two other children under him. Now, he, the last few months he's been acting up like oh. not regular, to the point of I lose it. Okay, um, let me just ask you to hold two minutes because we've skipped someone twice based on our mistake. So okay. we're, so just hold on and then we're going to see what we're going to be dealing with your question because I'm really trying, I've, I guess you've called now, but I'm trying not to deal with any parenting questions under the age of eight because a lot of that are a lot of skills needed. So your question might not be such a skills-based, so maybe we'll address it in short, but... Most of the parenting questions that we got, I find, are skills-based. So just stay on the line. We're going to... Um, who did you say we're going to, Aaron? Who did we skip? We're going to Hani. There it is. Hani, you're on the air with Mordechai, and sorry, we skipped you twice. Hani? Um, hello? Yeah. Yes, Hani, you're on the air with Mordechai. Okay, hi. Um, okay, so I got married three years ago. Um, I didn't have by then any fears, any nothing. Now I find myself three years after I got married with a lot of fears um, about death, um, elevators that I never was scared of, airplanes, stuff that are really random and I can get even attacks from that. Every sickness that I hear about a person or about myself could scare me to, to a very big extent. And I really want to know what. I never had anything from home that I should be scared of, a sickness or death. Um, I want to know what causes it lately since, you know, it's already two years that it gets worse and worse. And I can't, nothing comes down. So I want to know what Let's help create it. a little bit of awareness over here. Someone, a young person married, also gets anxiety two years, you know, a year after they're married and quite strong all over. My first question to you is, 
which one or both of your parents have anxiety? And forgive me for making the assumption. My but mother. My yeah. mother, she's, I think she's the same as me in a lot of things. Exactly. And that's the reason why we go right over there. What I'd like you to understand is, um, let's take it to the next level. Do you find the anxiety now that you became, let's say, a wife and then a mother? Do you have any children? Yeah. Okay. Did I you find it got worse? Do you? Let me ask instead of making an assumption. But I'll make an assumption. Do you find that the more responsible you are, the more stressed you're getting? Like suppers have to be ready. My kid has to be healthy. Oyve, now you're responsible. Um, I can't say that. I'm not so pressured from suppers and from the household, but from my child, if he gets sick or something, I can literally get sick from it. Like okay. I can get. So what, thinking about losing yeah. or whatever it is. So what I would like to take this question and really use this question as an awareness. Parents out there, we teach our children everything. We teach confidence. We teach not to be confident. We teach, we teach how to react to certain situations. So let's assume there's a teacher or you need to defend yourself. We teach you how to defend yourself. What happens if we are, and everything that a kid knows is... What happens if we are deficient? We don't have an answer in a certain area. So let's assume I'm not a good accountant. I cannot teach my kids accounting, how to balance their accounting sheet. And that's why most businesses do not know how to do accounting. That's why we have bookkeepers and accounting. If we have certain fears, let's say about our children's well-being, understand that we are not going to be able to teach it to our children and don't fool yourself thinking that by lying to our children and saying the words, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of, and inside you're petrified, the subconscious works like an antenna. We feel feelings. And if you were deficient in that area, then you're going to not be able to teach your children how to be confident in that area. So basically, most of the time, what I recommend to people are, Work on your inner world, so this way you don't have to send me all your children or get your kids to therapy. Now, since you're married, Baruch Hashem, you became a queen of your own house. Um, we're just going to go to more questions. So I'd just like you to realize that you're just missing some of the basic tools that in therapy. And I would recommend that you go to a therapist that has a little more of inner work, inner knowledge, rather than the cognitive tools. Because I'm making the assumption that you and your mother are both very smart cognitively. It means you know all the tools, ignore it, push it away, fight it. And I feel there's a little inner awareness that might be needed just from your voice and just from how well you've posed your question. So I would find out if there's someone that does more inner work. Um, that's the type of therapy that I would look for. Does this need um, therapy? I mean, my father is exactly the opposite. Right, I don't the call the word therapy. You see, I, you will use the word therapy, and I call it skills building. You just want to get the skills, how to inside, how your subconscious can feel confident when you go into places. When we have it from a parent that has similar to that, means you might have been able to get it from your father, but for whatever reason, your subconscious took the program from your mother. And now you're a queen of your own home. Now you've got to start teaching it to yourself. So just like if my father didn't have an accountant, isn't an excuse for me not having an accountant. All it means is that either I'll take a bookkeeping course or I'll go to my accountant. So I don't know if you want to use the word therapy, but how to, all I will tell you is that anxiety does not go away the longer you ignore it. And just the opposite, it gets stronger the longer you ignore it. And what made it stronger after I got married? Because oh, before I call I these things like differently. I call them, I call, instead of saying, why did it happen now? When I get someone at 50, I tell them you're an accident waiting to happen. So if someone's driving a car without a license, it's just a matter of time for them to get arrested or pulled over for that. 
It's just why it happened now, it happened now. So I don't go into why. All we would say is you're missing those skills and you don't have the tools or you didn't get those tools. So it could have happened at 30. It could have happened a year after you're, you're married. It could have happened 40 years after you're married. So instead of looking why it happened, the focus I would focus on is so how do I get out of it? So how do I teach myself the skills? Am I still going to be blaming my father for not having an accountant? Or will I say, okay, let me just open up the yellow pages and who was a good accountant? So instead of blaming and why, why did my mind learn it from my mother and not from my father, all those are wonderful questions and I usually don't focus on that in my therapy process. I usually focus on this is what Hashem has given you, this is your growth that the Rebbein Shalem has decided that's important for you. Now let's learn those schools. Let's break the chain. Thank you okay. for Thank holding you. and I appreciate the question for the awareness we're able to give to people. So Batya, we're going to go back to you. Batya on line one. Yes. Hi. All right. So let's just be clear. I don't. We we try not to focus on this phone line of taking parenting questions under the age of eight, for the mm -hmm. simple reason that it's usually skills based. Means I need to give you one bit of information, then follow to the next bit, then to the next bit. It's not something I can just say. Tune in. What's the anxiety? What's the issue? Or this person mm -hmm. needs to learn skills. Again, I feel it's skills based, and we created the awareness with the caller before, but I I'm not able to give all the skills. At, in a 15 or 5 minute conversation it's just not possible so I usually don't take it for that reason instead of apologizing and not doing benefit we try not to take that so your question is you've got a 3 year old boy and then you've got 2 kids under that That what is happening? Um, his behavior has become very anything to get attention it's very, usually negative yes and here's where I'm going to tell you directly this is the most olive based questions that happen in parenting they'll give you the skills what to give with a kid how to have one on one time with him and how to work on his behavior. It's impossible for me to do that all within four to five minutes. Do you know where I could get those uh, I don't recommend anything online for the simple reason or live because for every time I recommend one thing, yes, I get five comments of people, oh, I took it, it wasn't good, it was good. So parenting groups are being advertised all the time. I'm a believer in taking them. Now, parenting groups does not mean you have bad parenting skills at all. What it means is you are growing your skills. So you might have fantastic parenting skills and putting kids to sleep and doing everything. Just in one area, you need it. So I'm a big believer in all parenting skills, and I'm a big believer in taking more than one. Collect. Take them. I've just signed up for one course just yesterday to take for me to grow a four-day training. And I'm looking into another one in November already now, Mertesham, preparing. So I'm a big believer in just building my toolbox, and therefore that's my recommendation I am not saying that you're missing any tools, or I should say that you don't have good tools or that you're not a good mother. What I'm saying is learn, get more skills, and some information will just stay in your mind that you might not even need it now, but later on, when it comes up, you'll already have them in your brain. Right. So thank you. And just look around any of them. Just take any. Don't look for the best. We have a certain thing, a firm thing, we need the best. Don't look for the best. Go for any of them. Just start. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Let's skip to line two, to Yossi. Yossi, we got over here a guy calling in, and then we'll probably go to five, to Mati. And Hello? Yes, Yossi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Okay, um, you, you've been talking a lot about awareness, and just curious to know your opinion on this. I myself, I'm talking not just to me, ask myself, on a lot of Mechanchen, um, including myself, that we've seen the issue in the number of years that good parents are taking the approach that any type of discipline that we do, no matter how gentle or even how firm, 
um, is considered bad. A kid can cheat on the test because he must have problems at home. A kid could come alone and throw apple at the teacher. We just have to be understanding. Very, very little responsibility. And when we talk to parents, by PTA to tell us, well, we had teachers who beat the living day outside of us who didn't understand us. We're determined to go in the exact opposite direction. And we explain to them that boundaries and limit, limit setting is, is what's needed. Then usually at some point or another, there's some wonderful psychologists, I won't share any names on, who are unlike you. Um, who will stop putting the blame on us saying that there's 27 kids in the class as if it's out of control or not. And um, we just have to look away. It's all about looking away. And then people will start quoting some good that they heard someone say that they have no basis of basing it on. Um, and just basically it, it, it's a mess out there because I work at the other end also with teens at risk. I see so many parents who just looked away and the kids had zero structure. And they, they just don't feel responsible for themselves. And I, I want to know from your perspective, is it, is, it, is it fear to, number one, totally evade responsibility because there's so many mental health conditions out there, we can excuse everything, number one. And number two, I feel that a lot of parents really want to be in the middle, but there's so many um, publications out there on looking the other way. Your kid smacks and throws down a flight of stairs. If you don't say anything, you can learn the lesson also. I don't really see how that works because I'm in the line for almost 10 years and I've taught in a wide variety of settings, both mainstream, non-mainstream, Hasidish, non-Hasidish, and I have not yet seen um, that looking the total away approach or saying, hey, we don't cheat on a test, or we can go and we can scream and yell and use novel pair. We don't do that as works. So what's your take on that? I first would like to thank you, Yossi, for saying what you said, and I'm going to repeat everything that you said with my validation, and I will take some of the achrayas for therapists out there, and we'll give a little clarification. Yes, today, parents, and that's the large part of the awareness that we discuss over and over on this program, Parents, our job is to be the logical part of the brain to put boundaries for our children at all ages, whether they are married, whether they're teenagers, whether they're children, and whether they've got grandchildren. There still has to be that level. And we've got to, adults, we have to be able to accept it. Step two about this is everything in this world has to have a gavul, has to have a balance. There isn't anything that isn't out there without overseeing. Which means, even I'm an adult, but I know that when I have a deadline, I will spend, I will be up that night before, put extra time, I will study extra hard. Because this world is based on gavul, based on time, based on day and night. And when we have limits, when we have tasks, when they're due, we will study harder. It's just created and built into our human nature. People that are afraid to be assertive, to set boundaries, to set limits, you will find that their children are less behaved. You will find their children are not speaking more Bukovic, they're speaking less Bukovic. You are finding that they are not finding their parents as their friends. They're finding their parents as, unfortunately, to use the word even losers. Why are you acting that way? Why are you using those words? It's not befitting for your position. You find it actually has the opposite. Now, let's clarify why it happened and why therapists, especially the therapist, has created that. And that is because we're coming after a generation in the 1950s, we should really say 30s, 40s, 50s, and even the 60s, when this guy Carl Rogers sort of created almost all therapy today where we're listening to the person's emotion was created by this guy Carl Rogers, he created about the feeling because he came from a generation where we just behavioral. Are you up in the morning? Do you have money? You're a success. You're not? You're a failure. Is your kid behaving? Oh, he's listening to class? Great. And what happened was, I'm not going to go into the negative effects that it had on Claudia Stroll and on the world, this level of behavior. There were no emotions. 
So the pendulum was sliding to give emotions. We assume that the natural balance will be that we'll have the structure of the old generation plus the love of today's generation. But what has happened is we have lost the structure of the older generation and we're just giving what they call quote-unquote unconditional love. Unconditional love is not saying I love you, slap me in the face. Unconditional love is I love you, now go to sleep on time and you will see how in the morning you wake up on time. I agree with you, and I'm going to say this very publicly, and I do this all the time, I'm a huge defender of the Rebbeim and of the teachers. I would like everyone to listen and to pay attention. Our teachers and Rebbeim do, usually do not get paid on time. They are getting underpaid compared to an average businessman. Let's take it further. A businessman will expect his business to grow, his salary and increase to grow. A Rebbe maxes out. Today's generation, if someone's a Rebbe, you're going to have him and his wife are going to have to supplement their income. It means you're going to have to have both people working just to be broke, not even poor. We're talking about to be broke with today's generation. Their children are the ones watching how the ones that are working, quote unquote, have everything and we don't do things. They are makriv themselves for us, for me and you, for our children to have the Torah I was in yeshiva by Rav Pam when we were in Smich, and there was someone that was a dynamite of a person that Rav Pam had a meeting with his parents and with his shver and shviga and said, listen to me, your son can be from the future G'daylum. Do not send him to that graduate school where you wanted to go. He can affect Klal Yisrael. And unfortunately, this guy is an amazing person, but both parents and in-laws said, no, we want this guy to be wealthy, successful. I'd like us to create this awareness that we have. Our Rebbeim are makriv themselves for us. Our Rebbeim, our makriv right. teachers, are makriv themselves for us. Now, they don't have an agenda to make your children miserable, our children miserable. They are aware that to run a school, to run a class, and in today's days, we've got parents that aren't structuring their children, means now the Rebbe, of a kid that has no structure, if he's got 25 or 27 kids in the class, and three kids, the parents don't know how to structure them, he's got to do all that work, double structuring an entire class, plus three kids that have never given structure, I find what do we want to these poor Rebbeimen teachers? We're making an un, un well, I should almost say, what's the word I want to use? A level that's unattainable, or unachievable in the classroom. And right. that's I just, something, I just, what? I just want to add one akuda. Yes. I'm not, we, we've all gone to trainings in OCD and ODD and whatnot and spent hours, by the way, which we're not paid for, um, training. I'm in a cheshmer with my fellow Milan, that we make about minimum wage if we're going to go into all the cheshmer all the hours that we do. We're, we're agreeing to, you know, to do, to improvise the boundary, so to speak. Let's say you take a kid with ADHD, he needs more breaks, he needs um, a less classroom work, but whatever we do want to do, we want to be able to enforce so it doesn't, it doesn't kill the structure of number one, him, and the structure of the class. And that's where parents and unfortunately some therapists get totally in the way without realizing we, we would love to have tankers in the class, trust me. Um, but, but we can't. And I, I can't have a kid singing and yelling and kicking, no matter what he has, ODD, ABC, whatever you want to call it, and they're starting the floor of the class and telling me, uh, Rabbi Yassel, just look away, just look away. If you look away, the famous quote I've been heard is, if you look away enough, even if you have 15 kids misbehaving, give it two, three months and they'll stop. And it, it, it's shek of a chazov. I agree with you, you know, on that. So now, let me share with you, I once went to a conference of social workers all over the world, and I was talking to social workers from China, because I was surprised that in China you would think the country where there's no room for beliefs, thoughts, feelings. And I was like just talking with her and there was another therapist over there. And she said, you know something, what we have in China that you guys don't have here? He says, well, we have no problem of kids making trouble in class. I've used this story once or twice and I love it. And I go, what do you mean? You don't have kids misbehaving? He says, no. If a kid misbehaves, 
what the teacher does is they give the parents, let's say, one, one awareness. And if they give a second letter, by the third letter, something like that, what happens is both parents must come into class, sit in class all day for two weeks. Means you can't, none of them can work, they cannot go to work, and they legally, they must be in class for two weeks. Do you think a kid will misbehave as his father and his mother has to take off of work, sit in class for two weeks? Yeah, but that's abuse. That's abuse according to our generation, right? So that that's what I'm just sharing with you, that there are extremes to what it's done. But imagine if a kid misbehaves and you have both parents in the class all day to see it, to experience it, what's happening. I wonder how much of our behavioral issues where we blame the rebbeim or where we do things, how much would change. I wonder if we would have parents more involved. I got to tell you, being that I find human nature is that the more we have, instead of learning how to balance it, we just spend more. So we originally had mothers and fathers going to work, which is having a lot in this generation, so we could bring in more money, and we can save more money, so we can marry off our children, support them in cuddle, help them out when they need. And what I find is, which is the old human nature, is that when we make more money, we just spend more, so we're still back to square one. So instead of having a mother in the house with the kids, you have a mother that might be coming home from work, or a father that instead of where the world used to finish working at 5, 5.30, it's now standard to work till 7. It's standard to answer cell phones at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. So therefore, it affects the entire house and family structure. I find that we don't have parents and kids connecting, which then the Rebbe is the one that has to become the new parent. I agree with everything you've said, and we are just verbalizing it for awareness out there. I once heard from one of my rebbeim saying, let's not blame the Rebbe 100% for all your kids' problems. Let's just give 80%. Could you work on your 20%? I love that. Just focus on that. So we're not here saying rebbeim are always right. We're not saying rebbeim cannot be sometimes too strict, which they need to be given over to say maybe the information is too strict. But boundaries, setting limits, are a must in every area of our lives, in our, in our own life, in our marriage life, with our children, in our business, everywhere else. We've got to have the balance of the no, which today's generation is not there. The awareness is happening. That's what the parenting classes, whenever I recommend the parenting, that's one of the most important things that they're always saying. They're giving how to give your children emotional quality love and at the same time setting the limits at bedtime, getting dressed in the morning, saying no, going to a toy store and not getting that, going, taking kids to a grocery and not having to buy them out. These are the skills that they're giving you in these parenting classes and that's what we're having today to learn the balance of emotions and setting limits that it should be done on a healthy level. Thank you, Rabbi Yassel, for calling in. Chazak v'yamatz and your students are lucky to have you, someone as clear as you are as their Rebbe. Okay, we are going to Meira on the line. Money on stupidity. Hello, Meira, you're on the line. You're on line three. I have tons of ice cream here. Meira, we're hearing you live. Hi, how are you? Ah, uh, doing fantastic, Baruch Hashem. Okay, good. I'm glad. The truth is, um, one question I had, but it was about someone under three, and I know you didn't want to answer it, it was about a three-year-old with a fear of bugs. Something happened over the Chag with the, with the bug, and now he won't go to sleep. He's terrified of bugs, and it's just hard to know how to handle the fact that he, he has this intense fear. Okay, so this is a little bit different. So let me just first plug our number. The number to call in is 718-683-5858 to ask your question or comment. 718-683-5858. It's your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. Where we're here to take your question or comment that you'd have. Number 
5858. We'll take your question just for a moment because it's a little bit different than the parenting, which is I'd like you first to understand that, again, it's very age-appropriate for a kid to see a bug and to get afraid, which means these things do happen. Yes, they do. Now, what we can do is the reassurance to kids is first we can reassure them that it's okay. You're allowed to be afraid. It's normal to be afraid. And that's where sometimes they have the therapy called like exposure where if you can tell them, be relaxed, and you might be able to take a, a toy and sort of role play, look, this is a, let's pretend it's a bug. What are you afraid of? It's going to bite you? Bite it back. Kids have an imagination. Work with their imagination. Don't be afraid. Imagine you have a gun or whatever it is that you like playing with. You have a stick, you could hit it. Or you might be able to act the voice of that bug and say, I'm so afraid of you. Can I be your friend? And once you start working out with a kid to see it, but you want to hear what they're afraid of, they're going to say, I'm so afraid. I had someone that, a uh, three-year-old kid, sort of tell me that I'm afraid I'm going to fall into the water when they just saw like a little bit of water. And they go, and then I'll drown. I go, okay, but how would you know if you can always swim? Oh, but I don't know how to swim. Imagine you know how to swim. How do you feel? Oh, I'm swimming all over. I'm swimming in Shemayim. I'm swimming in the sky. Good, let's swim all over. Now swim in the water, out of the water. And they felt relaxed. Kids, their imagination and their... Visualization work very strong. Make it a fun experience. Take, let's say, a, a doll that might be that way and, you know, sort of role play with it. Do you feel comfortable now? Is it easy? Is it good? Does and it make sense that it's waking him up at night? This fear? Sure, because kids are afraid. Very, very, it makes sense. Can also be that he wakes up and you run to him, which is, again, parenting issues. The more we run to the kids, the more they're going to wake up. Sometimes you just let him sleep, cry it out, and then you see it uh -huh. go very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on a second, a second question, though, is with an older child and an eating disorder. What's the line between knowing a child has an eating disorder and, and just acknowledging that she's having a problem? Hmm, how do I explain this? They, they, the child had lost the weight. She was unhappy with her size, and she had lost weight. And the problem is that the dieting mode never finished. So she's still dieting, even though she doesn't have any more weight to lose. That's right. And I'm going to a nutritionist, and she's seeing a nutritionist. But if ever I mention, you know, what did you eat? Did you have a, a carb? Are you eating fat? And she, she, she gets so nervous, and it's, it's going over to all areas where it just makes her nervous. If I say anything, you, you, you're stressing me out. And she's getting so highly stressed from me talking about and, and I, I'm not a big talker about food at all because I've dieted all my life and I know you have to give them room. The problem is she's still, after a year already, this is going on, not eating as much as she should. And she's eating. She likes meals and she likes to eat to the point where she's obsessed about food and obsessed about eating. So when meal times comes, it's like you can't talk to her. She has to concentrate. She can't go out, you know, during that time. And she'll concentrate on her meal and she'll eat healthy foods, um, sweet potatoes, whole grains. You know, she'll eat whatever she deems that she could eat at that meal and then she won't snack at all all day. She's gotten to the point where she likes looking at recipe books almost you know, I think too much, and she loves shopping for food. Like if I go to a grocery store, she always wants to come. But I, 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 I don't know how to balance talking to her food when she so doesn't want to hear from me, and yet I know, I know she's not eating a lot because it has affected her, her whole system. So let me ask you a question. It's more like just for an awareness question. Do you have any idea in which category eating disorders fall under? As far as psychological yeah. or, or, or mental, or yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, like, okay, in psychology world, there are different um, classifications where you put different diagnoses. 
eating disorders is, I'm pretty sure, under a anxiety, under stress. Okay, so this child, at one point, at one point, she had told me something a long time ago, which really didn't carry over that she was nervous that her hands were just washing her hands a lot, and, and I saw her hands were red, but that stopped. So, and so what I'd like you to recognize, and let's take this over here, your kid might have an eating disorder, but I wouldn't want to diagnose or judge over the phone any of these things. What I would like you to recognize is your kid has a lot of stress. Yes. And stress might be that she needs to learn how to deal with it. And that's where, because there's an issue of food involved, I would now not recommend you go to a coach. I'd recommend you go to a therapist. And the therapist might not focus at all on food. It'll just deal with how do you deal with stress? How do you deal uh -huh. with failures in life? And I call failures, not failures where they're a failure. To me, failures are normal steps of the process in life, whereas you can just do it more and more times, you overcome it and you're strong and you have a beautiful, peaceful life. So I wouldn't even tell her, I, when you tell her to go to a therapist or when you'll make her go to a therapist, you'll tell her you're going and you're not stopping. You'll tell her, don't even discuss the food. I want you to discuss the stress, the tension. Okay. The problem is they have such, she has such a resentment. For whatever reason, I've worked on taking them to therapies in the past, be it counseling, which she needed at one point when she was young, just because it would help her express herself or whatever, or speech therapy that you, you mentioned counseling, especially because sometimes the school men, it, it just puts their back up. It's not something she's going to go to willingly. So here we're now going to go to a whole new area, which we get at least once or twice on every program. And that is when we got last week, we had the lady that said that her husband's got anger management. What does she do? And it affected the children that one she said had an eating disorder and one kid also has an, an anger issue. And the answer that I suggested to her was, and this is the same suggestion to you, work on yourself. You go to a therapist. You need, and not a beginning therapist, as someone that has at least five years experience. A five years experience means working. Sometimes people weren't working. They're just licensed. Someone that has about five years experience because you need a lot of tools. You need to get more assertive. Your child is the parent. You're not My, the parent. No, she's, assertiveness is, isn't the problem. <laughs> I have a husband who's a principal of a school. Assertiveness is not the problem if I need her to do things. I've gotten her to do everything in the past. Now, the problem is that do I force is such to, an issue Assertiveness about is for her to go to a therapist. If you're so comfortable with your assertiveness, get her to a therapist. Well, it's not a problem. Even if I had a problem, my husband wouldn't. It wouldn't be a problem, you know, at all. I didn't ask you. Oh, oh, we're not talking about your husband. We're talking about you now. Oh, yeah. Are you okay, mother of the I've house? Been more of a certain problem. Part of your job is to be comfortable to be able to get her to do what has to get done. Getting your <clears> husband to do it is going to create aware, an awareness. It's going to create... Sorry, yeah, yeah, going I know. He, he's told me this in the past. I, I yes. My he recommendation is wholeheartedly... I don't know, and I don't want to go publicly what your issues are, and I don't want right. you to share them. You've got issues. When you don't focus on your issues as parents, I can unfortunately tell you your children will have different issues. Whatever your issues are, from what I hear and what's needed, I'll tell you, no, you're going for 15 sessions. Not that you have problems. It's about part of your issues will be for the awareness, for the growing to let, unload to how to deal with certain things, not because you have a serious problem. I want you to get comfortable with the therapeutic process. If there's a group therapy, I'd be very happy with a group therapy as well, where you don't have to go one-on-one -on -one to therapist. But my recommendation to you is very clear about going for therapy. For you, and you will see huge changes all over. I'm going to read two, three questions that we have um, on the Lakewood Scoop. And then we've also gotten texts, so they're all along the same lines, so we're going to be dealing with those. The number for those of you that would like to call and ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858.
So here's the first question. I have an older friend, a relative, older than 30, but younger than 50, who seems like she doesn't want to get married. Her family and friends seem to overlook it, and she just hasn't found her bashert. To a few of us, it seems that she really has no interest. Her motto seems to be, my life isn't bad now, so why ruin it by settling for a marriage that would probably require me to settle on things? How should the situation continue? Is there any way to alter her mindset? Then we have a second question on the Lakewood Scoop where someone follows up with that sort of to a concerned friend. I have the same issue with my son. He's 28 and not making a move. I feel that I feel there's a lot more in it than that. Mordechai, can you, can I, what can I do to discover what is really going on? Is it my job? Okay, those are questions we have from the Lakewood Scoop. Now let's go ahead and read some of the questions that we got from the text over here to the jradio.com. Hi, my 21-year-old daughter was never too interested in dating. She suffered from an episode of depression this past fall and was put on medication. She says she feels good now, and I see that, but she still is afraid to date or start therapy again, which she stopped when it got real after three sessions. I would love her to go to cognitive therapy and don't think it was wise to date before. She's scared to fall into depression again. Your thoughts? Um, this is a third question. Now let's go to the other question that I saw about 17-year-old kids. Let's go see where that question is. All right, I'm not finding it right now. So here it is. I keep hearing that it's parenting my oldest. That, that is parenting. My oldest is 17, certain issues, and I'm feeling it's too late. How to take, how to change after all these years? Okay, it's too late to, is it, and it's too late to change after all these years. Let's go ahead and deal with these questions all together. Someone has emotional issues. We need to view someone that has an emotional issue as a child in that area only. Means when you've got a child and they do not want to go for help, let's rephrase it, when you have a kid that does not want to go to sleep, are you going to say, okay, stay up till 1, 2 o'clock and have the whole next day messed up? Or are you going to get them to go? Let's go ahead and address the parent that said they have a 17-year-old. Your job does not stop when your kid is married. Yes, we deal with all the time those controlling parents that are unfortunately getting involved and in ruining the children's marriage. But there is a healthy boundary, sorry, there's a healthy balance between controlling and continuing to parent. In the Torah, from the last I got an update, it doesn't say, till you get married. The kibbutz goes further. From the last I've spoken to, and I've had, unfortunately, I went to visit someone that was sitting shiva after their 80-year-old parent, and they told me that just recently that parent told them, I'm not happy with what you're doing with one of your children or, or the way they're dealing with their grandchildren. you got to change it. The parent was not controlling, manipulative, but it takes a parent to have that. I've heard many times people say when they got older that their parent is the one that put them in their place or kept them focused or gave them honest opinions, especially when this person was Adam Gadol or when this person had a lot of money that where a lot of people might hesitate or people just build them up. It's their parent that put them in their place or sometimes the husband or the wife. It is our job at all ages to have the strength to tell our children what needs to be done not control them, not tell them how to do it, and it takes the chachma, the wisdom of a parent, to know when to do it and when not to do that. I'm not talking about control here, so I'm saying it very clearly. I do not want it to be the two to be confused. But I need to 
Sometimes for parents to hear the permission, it's our job to be parents. We need to use that chachma, that bini yaseira, that mothers have, that fathers have. We need to ask for guidance, ask a rav what to do, how to do it, but it's still your job to do it. If you have a friend that's 30-something or a relative, and it's under them 50, where are their parents? They're, they need to push them. It is not acceptable for you to be this way. Now, let's go for therapy. You can't get your kid. You go for therapy. You go for advice. It's called codependence and enabling. I've had people call me up, say, unfortunately, my kid is on drugs. Sorry, my brother or sister is on drugs. How do my parents get them to go? I said, okay, get your parents for therapy. They'll learn the tools. Oh, no, my parents will never go for therapy. They won't get advice. They won't find their weaknesses that might be adding some gasoline to this fire, it's not going to change. If you have a son that's 28 years old and he's not finding it and you, and you feel that there's a lot more going on, go ahead, push him to go for therapy. Not going for therapy is not an option. We sometimes help out with those parents and sometimes we give them the guidance how to do it. You have a 21-year-old that's not interested in dating because she can be depressed, she's taking medication. I'd like for the awareness to come that that medication, just because you're taking it, might not be the right dosage, might not be doing the full amount. Your 21-year-old your is afraid to connect. I will please beg you, for your daughter's sake, for your sake, and for whoever she marries, don't marry her off. If she cannot face issues now, how is she going to face a husband that's going to put some expectations? If she's depressed now, how she's going to focus and how is she going to be successful when she has a kid crying two, three in the morning? She might, not might give her a colicky baby. How will she balance having kids, having a husband, maybe working if she's depressed and she disconnects? You, Chassashon, want to have a kid married for six months and then unfortunately coming home, which we're having a lot today? Part of the reason is because our children are not ready for the responsibility of marriage. Marriage is a responsibility. Marriage is work. It takes jobs. It takes a certain strength and muscles to be able to do that. So let us please recognize that your 21-year-old does not have an option to disconnect from the therapist. Your option is which therapist are you going to be going to the next four months? That option we're giving you. We're going to give you the information that we had and how to do it and what. I cannot give you the tools because, again, it's skills-based where you need therapy. So if you're parents and you have a 20-year-old, 21-year-old that needs therapy, 17-year-old that needs guidance and they're not accepting it from you and they are acting like the parent, unhealthy, take ownership. Do it. And it is within your power. Yes, it is. Aaron, we're going to go to our... Do, are we going to take the caller? Would you show me the that we have on, will we take it? Um, if you can just change screen so I can see it. All right, we're going to, okay, so we are going to just follow up with this. For those of you that would like to call in, we can still have one more minute for another caller. Sorry for those of you that were holding that got disconnected. The number is 718 718-683-5858, 683-5858. Um, if not, we are going to just follow up with this concept just for a minute. And that is many times people do tell you, like in a husband and a wife, where they say, you know something, you do need some work. A mother or father that needs work. And because one of the parents are in denial, does not want to go for help, it reinforces the kid subconsciously, I'm not going for help. And therefore the suggestion is always the same, parent. It's amazing how when you go for help, I get this question many times and I've heard therapists address it and I actually was not happy with their answer. 
And I've been heard many times with therapists where I ask, my wife doesn't want to go for therapy, shalom bias therapy. What do we do? My husband doesn't want to go for marriage counseling. What do we do? And the therapist try to go first speak to him or her, try to convince them, try explaining it in different ways. Of course, that's the first step. But we're talking about here when people don't do that. What do you do? You get tough. You get assertive. You're going. What do you do if their husband wants to spill water all over the table? Are you going to say, it's okay, please stop it? Or you start yelling, shouting, do whatever's needed. You can be assertive. You just got to be strong enough to do it. And I would suggest you find a therapist that will help you be assertive. There is no excuse ever for not going for therapy other than it's part, you are partially weak to get the person to go. All right, Flora, you called in. We're going to go to you. we got three minutes left. Flora, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes. My yes. son uh, is divorced. He separated from his wife about eight years ago. Oh, so to say again, your, husband, your son, he separated from his wife and he's now divorced? No, he is divorced now. Yes. And uh, he has four kids, but the youngest one is 11. He used to be his father's shadow when his father has him, which has him every other weekend. Uh, and every week, once a week. And now his father met somebody, and now the boy developed a headache. And uh, that's it. I, so your question that is that you had an 11-year-old grandchild that was very close to your son, which is his father, that the father yes. that, that they're divorced. And yes. now that the, now that your son is now looks like dating someone or engaged or married, right. the 11-year-old no, no, no. boy is saying he's got headaches and that's why he's not. That's why he doesn't want to go to them for Shabbos. Is that your question? No, no, he goes to him for Shabbos and he goes everything. But he has constant headaches. His neck hurts. He's always complaining about something. He's very unhappy, I think. Now let me ask you because it does make sense to connect it to that maybe your son has gotten married, and that's why he's having headaches. The no, stress. he didn't get married yet. He didn't get married. Is it no. possible that there are also other stuff? One of the things we do in therapy is we ask. It could be that this is part of the issue. It could be something going on that maybe his mother, your husband's ex-wife, maybe she's triggered by that, and maybe there's more stress in the house. Maybe something's going on in school. One of the first things that we do is we first want to identify what's going on. One of the things that might be what you're saying is his son might feel that he's losing his father. Many times kids feel, and that's one of the things that I reassure parents, unfortunately, when they're going through a divorce, you tell the children we are not getting divorced because of you. You've done nothing. There's nothing you could have done to put us together. We both love you equally the same. Just because me and mommy, I don't want to use that for me, but just because the two parents got divorced and we had our love or our connection isn't so much, but with our children, it never ends. That's something that Rabbi put in. It's forever. And this kid might need to hear, you're always my son. You can call me at all times. You even, you know, you're just as important to me as she is. Know that my love is there for you at all times. And sometimes that's all kids need to hear. We've yeah, got 30 seconds left, so thank you, Flora, for calling in. Father is very, very loving. Good, but his a kid might need to hear it. What, we learned, what I've learned about therapy is that kids need to, we need to ask them what's... You know what, I'd recommend call in next week. This way we can give it the question, the right thing. And it's a great question because people don't call in that much about divorces or the situations. I feel there's a lot of information that's needed. Thank you all for calling in and listening. Looking forward to having you next week. Thank you, FNW, for hosting us. Thank you, Aaron. And, of course, sponsored by Dynabit PC, 347-946-1826 for any of your software, hardware, remote support, Microsoft help, installation, virus security, VoIP systems. Thank you all for listening. I'm looking forward to having you next week.